Hey, thank you for logging into the Faith Community Bible Church podcast. It's our prayer that this podcast is not only a blessing to you, but a blessing to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in the community. God bless. Amen. Um, John 8, John 8, beginning, I'll begin reading at verse 21. All right, here it is. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you're from below. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die your sins for unless you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he sent me and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent you are. God, from the beginning of this service, worship led by Sister Nethra and scripture and prayer read by Brother Cortez and, and the opportunity, Lord, for us to just celebrate your goodness shown toward us. It's breathtaking. So I pray, God, that your word today won't fall on deaf ears, but that, God, we will know you, trust you, believe in you, place our faith in you, God, because it's you that we need. I pray today, God, that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. We love you, Father, and we thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just for a few minutes, just want to preach, y'all, in this That You May Believe series from the subject, The Cause of Missing God. The Cause of Missing God. Listen, uh, this being the season, the Christmas season, right, all of us, uh, all we see coming on TV is movies surrounding Christmas. The Grinch, Frosty the Snowman, A Christmas Story, Die Hard. <laughs> oh, it's a Christmas movie. Pay attention. They got Christmas trees all in the background, right? All these Christmas movies, right, they have going on, right? And it's been great to watch. But Caleb, one of my personal favorites is Home Alone. Love Home Alone. Um, Kevin is that dude, right? Macaulay Culkin in his prime was the, like, he was like the Leonardo DiCaprio of the 90s, 
right? He was the man. I, I like Home Alone. And I don't know if you like, maybe you too young to know what Home Alone is or maybe you too old to remember, right? But, but Home Alone, <laughs> Home Alone is a really good movie. Now, it's based on this family called the McAllister family. And they were preparing mom to go spend Christmas in Paris. They were gathering at Peter and Kate's house, who was Kevin, mom and daddy, right? They were gathering in their house in a suburb right outside of Chicago on the night before they were to leave for Paris. Peter and Kate's youngest son, played by Macaulay Culkin, his dude named Kevin, he was being scorned by his brother Buzz. His sister was getting on his nerves and his cousins was teasing him. But later what happened was Kevin ruins family dinner after a fight with Buzz resulting in him getting sent to the attic of the house, being punished, where he then begins to berate his mom, Kate, and wishes that his family would disappear. During that night, heavy winds came to damage power lines, which later causes a power outage, which then what happens is it causes the clock that they set for their alarm to reset, um, causing the family to oversleep. They finally wake up the next morning in confusion, rush to get to the airport. But in the midst of all this, Nethra, they forgot that Kevin was in the attic. Now, due to petty disagreements, isolation from family, Kevin left behind in the attic while the rest of his family is on this flight to Paris. They, this family now, mom and dad, become separated from their son. What I enjoyed most of all about this movie, honestly, wasn't even that plot. But it was that the mom, Kate, once she realized that she was separated from the son, did everything possible to reconnect with him. It was interesting to me. She leaves everyone else behind to get to her son. Finds herself in an unknown place to reconnect with her son. Found, her play, found herself right, being in an airport in Minneapolis, stranded, right, only to hop in a car with some, with some, um, some poker players who was on tour just to get back to her son. She ain't know them from Adam, but she did what was necessary to get to her son. She was so determined to get to her son because she realized that she missed him and wanted to do whatever she could to get back to him. That makes me want to preach, right? Here's the deal. That really, Rekinder, surveyed my heart a little bit. It really kind of shook me up, Jerry, because it pushes me to think through some stuff. I really, I, I, it causes me going to think through some stuff like, like, and I want y'all to look at this sermon today as a counseling session. I want to I wanna process out loud with y'all if I can, right? I want us to think through this together, survey our hearts and minds for a little bit by this one question. Everything that Kate did to get back to the sun, would you do it? Let me ask a question a different way. Family, what would you do if you wake, woke up one morning and realized that you missed God? What if you miss God because of petty arguments about him or something that he's done or, he, or you think that he should have done that he didn't do? 
What if you miss God because life happened all around you, causing you to become so distracted and out of sorts that you lose your traction only to wake up hundreds of miles away and realize that you were in the same place and God left you where you were? Would you do everything necessary to get back to him? What lengths would you go to to get with God? What would you do if you missed God? This question is extremely important. It's important because I need you to see today that it's important because if you miss God, if you miss God, missing God will cause you, listen closely, missing God will cause you to die in your sin. It gets no more simpler than that. I don't need to use no Greek words, no Hebrew transliteration to get you to understand that if you miss God, you will die in your sin, spending eternity, eternity separated from the Father. What would you do if you woke up in the morning and realized that you missed God? Missing God will cause you to die in your sin. Our text today helps us to see this. And here in this text, Jesus had already mentioned his leaving them, right? In John 7, verse 34, he had already told them, hey, I got to go. I, I got something to do. I got to go. I got another place to be. He had already told them that. But the Jews misunderstood what he said. Once again, he, he warned them he would leave them. And he said, not only did he say, I, I got to go, but you can't come. He said, I'm leaving, but you ain't welcome. He said, not only, not only am I going somewhere you can't go, but you're going to die in your sin. They were wasting their God-given opportunity by arguing with him instead of trying to understand exactly what he was telling them. And one day soon, their opportunity to come to the truth would end. Interesting thing is, that's no different from this culture in 2018. God is saying to you, hey, I'm coming back again. But if you ain't right, you're going to get left. But instead of us really trying to understand what he's saying, we're too busy trying to argue what color God is. We're too busy trying to argue whether or not he has the power that he says he has. We sitting back instead of really trying to get a grasp on what he's saying to us and what, how he's telling us to live, we're too busy being comfortable where we are. We're no different from them. One day soon, your opportunity to come to the knowledge of truth will end. What I want you to know, don't get caught tripping because you can miss God. And missing God will cause you to die in your sins. See, the true believer, I'm talking about the true believer, the, the genuinely converted, blood-bought believer has citizenship in heaven. His affection and attention are fixed on heaven. But the unsaved belong to the world. In fact, Jesus called them in Luke 16, children of the world. Since they have not trusted Christ and had, their, and had not had their sins forgiven, 
Their destiny is to die in their sin. What he's telling them, to, what he's telling them is that, hey, if you're of this world, if you practice now, 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 don't get don't get it mistaken. I'm not talking about being in the world. I'm talking about being of the world, being controlled by the things of this world. If you if you are controlled by the world and allowing this world to dictate what you do, trying to follow after ungodliness, you will miss God. You will. Christian dies in the Lord because he lives in the Lord, but the unbeliever dies in his sins because he lives in his sins. We can't get so caught up in what's happening around us, family, that we miss God because missing God will cause you to do what? It'll cause you to die in your sin. This doesn't have to be us, family. Missing God is tragic. And it's, and it's threatening to our souls. Like the reason why we can't afford to miss God is because we were designed to thrive with God. We can't miss him because we were designed to thrive with him. This, this doesn't have to be us. Why? Because God made a way for us to be returned to him even when we were lost. He provided for us, if will, a roadmap whereby if we follow it, we can be in relationship with him and never separate it again. Well, what's the direction? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He said in our text, right, for Unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sin. How do I get to God? How do I keep from missing God? It's by going to the Father. There's no way you could have a relationship with God and not have one with his son. Peter echoed those same words when he said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we can be saved. Well, how do I get to God? You got to go through the Son. He gave his life for us. He's the chastisement of our peace. The government is on his shoulders, right? Isaiah 9 says he's the wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the prince of peace, right? That's the only way for us to experience God is to go through the sun. Well, pastor, I got some questions. So do I. Let's figure them out together. Well, pastor, Christianity is a white man's religion. You eat they cooking. <laughs> They ain't even got no season. Sorry. <laughs> Here's the deal. If we miss God, hinging on the fact that Christianity is a white man's religion, it tells me that we haven't done our homework. Because Christianity is not a white man's religion. Jesus is not the white man's God. Jesus is the Savior for all who will believe. Right. And even if you're like, like, all you got to do is pull out a map and you can see right long before all of that stuff existed, Christ existed. So we can we don't have to be bamboozled by this world. We don't have to allow ourselves to be duped by people telling us that he don't exist. And if he did, like, well, if God exists, then why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? No. Why does he allow good things to happen to bad people? Because he's gracious, he's merciful, and we can't afford to miss him because we were designed to thrive with him. He didn't leave us, we left him. 
Well, who did you leave him for? You left him for yourself. It's funny how we live in a world that we don't want to be lonely, but God wants to dwell with you, but you don't want to because you don't feel him because he ain't doing what you want him to do. We crying about being lonely, saying, why won't God do this for me? But you asking him to do something. That he the reason why he ain't gave you what you asked for is you can handle it if he gave it to you. But, the, but what he wants to do is he wants to grow you in him. Don't miss God looking for stuff. We don't serve a materialistic God. God cares more about your soul than he does your materials. He's getting, scripture says it. He said God has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness, meaning he's given us all things that we needed. We just misappropriated it. He's given us what we needed. Therefore, he's the giver of life. He's the way maker, spiritual worker, promise keeper, light over darkness. My God, that is who you are. He's light and darkness. He, he, he provides the way to the Father. Therefore, you don't have to die in your sin. Sin ain't eating you up. But like, like, like you don't have to be eaten up by sin. You have a way and escape. You just keep walking past the door. Christ came, bled and died, rose from the grave with all power in his hands so that we won't miss God, but we still missing him. Because I believe that somewhere in our mind, we want to believe that what Jesus did ain't good enough and we think that we can do better. But the reality is, if you can do better, you would have done it. If mankind could have reached God any other way than Jesus, then Jesus would not have... He, he would not have had to die. His death illustrates the fact that there is no other way. Therefore, no other religion or religious leader can bring someone to the knowledge of the one true God. Family, listen, missing God will cause you to die in your sin. And this text shows us four actions that will cause us to miss God. It's four actions. Here it is. Number one, first, you miss God when you become self-righteous. You, be, you miss God when you become self-righteous, right? Self-righteousness is confidence in your own righteousness as if you have righteousness outside of God, right? Self-righteousness, right, is when you have confidence in your own self, especially when you, when you smugly moralistic or intolerant of the opinions and behaviors of other people. Self-righteousness is you walking around thinking that you got it all together, thinking around, walking around thinking that you're the best miracle since Miracle Whip. Thinking that life is all about you. No, these people in this text are a lot like us. They were know-it-alls. They thought they knew everything, and when Jesus tried to tell them what was up, they began to question him. Well, my man, you ain't mean that, dog. No, you ain't mean that for real. We do the same thing. We do the same. It's funny. It's funny how we make decisions that we want to make and then want to scream Jesus did it. No, Jesus ain't do that because he, he wouldn't have put you in that bad situation. Right? Does he put us in situations to cause us to grow? Yeah, he does. But listen, he's not going to put you in a situation for you to be a bad steward. He's not. He's not going to put you in a situation that will cause you, right, will cause his name to be defiled. 
Well, God told me he was my husband, but y'all been dating for 30 years and he still ain't put no ring on it. But you saying God sent you to him? No, what God you listening to? Self-righteousness causes us to miss God. The people in this text, they were know-it-alls, right? They thought that they had what it took. They thought he was planning to kill himself. See, that's what's interesting. That's how we see that they were self-righteous because he said, I'm going away. You can't go, right? They like, well, dang, if I can't go with him, what, he going he gonna to kill himself? See, see, suicide was, was a hateful thing to do to a Jew, right? The Jews were, were taught to honor all of life. And if Jesus would have committed suicide, then we'd go to a place of judgment. And that, right, was why they couldn't follow him. Because they was too busy stuck on, well, maybe he'll kill himself. But what they don't understand, like, like here's what's interesting in this text, Otis, is that right here in John 8 was not the first conversation that he had with these people. He'd been talking to them all since John 1, telling them who he was. He'd been talking to them the whole time, trying to get them to see who he was, but instead of them listening to what he's saying, they was too busy trying to debate him. We already know, right, when they tried to trap him at the end of chapter 7, he freed himself from the trap and the woman, right, who was caught in adultery. But they still don't see who he was. Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding of Cana, brought joy to the wedding reception, right? It's almost like coming to a wedding and playing the electric slide. All of a sudden, everybody happy, right? Jesus... At the wedding of Cana, turn water into wine, right? And they still questioning who he is. They were self-righteous. He says in verses 21 and 22, then he said to them again, I'm going away. You'll look for me. You'll die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. See, they were mocking him. They were making a mockery out of him because he told them that they couldn't come where he was going. When he told them they couldn't come, they automatically thought it was something wrong with him instead of looking at themselves. Sound a lot like self-righteous people in 2018, don't it? All of a sudden we say, no, you can't come. He'd be like, why? Why? You got something to hide? You can't come. No, why? Why? What's her name, Mike? Sound like Tracy, don't it? <laughs> you, you can't come no you, let me tell you why you can't come you can't come because sin don't dwell here you can't come with me right because I'm from a different place than you you can't come because you don't understand who I am I would like for you to come but because you think that you can get there on your own you weren't welcome they looked at him and tried to find fault in him instead of looking at who they really were it would be an understatement, y'all, to say that every believer is plagued with the attitude of self-righteousness. It's in our sin nature, y'all, to try to do something to merit our salvation. The costly freedom of grace, y'all, bought us by the blood of Jesus with no contribution from us. And it's difficult for us with our prideful hearts to understand or appreciate it because we just want kudos. We want a pat on the back. And I'm going to tell you something. Like, it ain't, it, it ain't only because it started when you was a kid. That's why when you get straight A's, you want the whole world to know because you're looking for a pat on the back. But what if we didn't give you a pat on the back for your straight A's, but we just said good job because that's what you're supposed to do anyway? 
What if, oh, yeah, um, I had a good day at work today. Ain't you proud of me? I didn't cuss my boss out. You ain't supposed to cuss her out anyway. We, we, look, we, we look for kudos because we're doing what we're supposed to do anyway because we think we're better than we actually are. Let me tell you, Romans 3 was not written in invisible ink. You just don't know it because you haven't read it. Romans 3 shows us who we are, right? But if you keep on reading, you don't have to be discouraged after Romans 3 because Romans 5 happened while we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly, right? You, you don't have to be discouraged, right, because, sin, because your, your, your flesh is wrapped in sin, but you can celebrate, believer, because of what Jesus did on the cross. No, you have no righteousness on your own. The righteousness that was imputed to Abraham was because of the graciousness of the God we serve, and because of that, it's been imputed, credited to us. Therefore, we have no righteousness on our own, so us being self-righteous, think that we can save ourselves will cause us to miss God. Thinking that you can obtain righteousness on your own will cause you to miss God. And if you miss God, guess what? You die in your sin. He says, number two, not only will self-righteousness cause us to miss God, but number two, you miss God when you practice worldliness. Here's what he says. Watch what he says in verse 23 of the text. Here's what he says. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Jesus said, hey, I got to go. He was returning to his father in heaven. And when he said, you can't come, what he was saying was, nobody can go there who has not trusted him as savior. He was speaking truth all to them, but they was too busy arguing, right? The reason Jesus and the Jewish leaders were going to different destinations was because they had different origins. Jesus came from heaven, but they belonged to the earth. Jesus was in the world, but he did not belong to the world, right? This world, y'all, in context, right, is the invisible spiritual system of evil dominated by Satan and all that it offers in opposition to God, his word and his people. We, we aren't called to be a part of something that's separating itself against God. Because the reality is, if it's separating itself against God, it should be separating, you should be separating yourself against it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't speak truth to power, but you ain't got to be kicking it there. Right? This world, in, in context, in this passage again, is the invisible spiritual system of evil dominated by Satan and all that it offers in opposition to God, his word, and his people. See, Jesus declared that his opponent's true kinship was with Satan and his realm, right? By this domination, it brings up something that Anderson mentioned last week. They were spiritually blind. They were walking around with their eyes wide shut, thinking that they can see everything when in reality they saw nothing. They were walking in darkness, Right. They had become so hard headed that they was walking, bumping their head on ceiling tile and couldn't feel it. They was walking around, Brother Antonio, in a dark room, running into walls, thought they was going through it, but they were going nowhere fast. 
because they're controlled by this world, Caleb. They were spiritually blind. Second Corinthians 4 says, in their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Scripture helps us to see that worldliness is the exact opposite of godliness. The world's wisdom is not wisdom at all. It's foolishness. The world's wisdom is not wisdom. It's foolishness. The message of the cross is foolishness to those with worldly wisdom who are perishing because true wisdom comes not from man's philosophies but from God's word. True godliness, y'all, is always opposed by the world. Here's the deal. We can't make the profession that we belong to Jesus and continually be comfortable practicing ungodliness. We are called to be different. We are called to change. Practicing worldliness will cause you to miss God, resulting in spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God. What would you do if you woke up and realized that you miss God because you've been practicing worldliness instead of practicing holiness? Not only will self-righteousness and practicing worldliness cause you to miss God, but number three, here it is, so will unbelief. Unbelief will cause you to miss God. He says in verse 24, Therefore I told you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus emphasized here that the fatal, unforgivable, and eternal sin is failure to believe in him as Messiah and Son of God. See, in truth, all other sins can be forgiven if this one sin is repented of. All other sins can be forgiven if you repent of your unbelief. See, one of the things that get us twisted is because we tend to think that belief is based off of what we say and not what we do. We tend to think that belief is based off of what we say and not what we do. But here's the deal. That's not accurate. Belief is far more than believing certain things to be true. Is also trusting and relying on the facts. To believe in God should also involve commitment and a life change. Look at that. Commitment and life. See, see, saying commitment in 2018 is like saying a cuss word. Right? Because the moment people tell you you ain't committed, it's almost like saying your mama. No, if you aren't committed, we have to call you out on that. We tend to rest in the fact that, yeah, I believe Jesus exists. Well, do you know that if you really believe Jesus exists, yeah, you should say it out of your mouth, but your heart should say it too? It's about commitment and life change. We all believe facts about things that don't change the way we live. Most people believe the facts that they've been told about the necessity of a good diet and exercise, for example. But yet most of them don't change their life on the basis of those facts. Doctors say if you don't start doing this, this, that, or the other, it's going to take you out of here. Right? You said, all right, it's just difficult. It's going to take time, but you never change. You embrace what they say. You totally believe it, but you don't change your actions. 
Most people who believe that God exists don't do anything in light of the fact. You say God exists, but your life don't show it. So their belief is really no better than that of demons. Because you say you believe, but your life don't show it. Faith that does not result in actions is dead faith. Faith that does not result in action is dead faith. Well, pastor, you talking too much. Well, let me let the word speak to you. Here it is, John 14. Here it is. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone would say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person. You're willing to learn that faith without works is useless. Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works and offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works and by his works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab, the prostitute, also justified by works and receiving the messages and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. That's just a fancy way of saying. You can say you believe in God all day, but if your life don't show it, he chucked you to deuces a long time ago. Faith without works is dead. See, we've all heard the chair illustration before. You can look at a chair and believe it's simple or, or, or believe it's made of materials strong enough to support your weight, and you can't believe that it was assembled correctly, right? But that ain't biblical belief. Biblical belief is sitting in the chair. Right. It's actually relying on the chair to hold your weight up off the ground. It's not only what comes out of your mouth, but it's when your actions meet your words. It's when your behavior embodies your heart. Let me ask you a question. Do you really believe or are you relying on the death as the full payment, Christ's death as the full payment of your sin debt, right? Or are you depending on his resurrection as the guarantee that you too will be raised to eternal life after death? Not that it could ever happen, but, right, 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 but if the chair of Jesus were pulled out from beneath you, spiritually speaking, would you hit the ground or are you relying on things in addition to the chair? Too many of us, we say we have faith in Jesus, but we won't take our hands off our own lives because we think that we need balance. The heart of a genuine believer is balanced by the cross. Not the tenets of this, 
Not no Nicene Creed, not no Apostles Creed, not the five points of Calvinism, not Reformed theology. The word of God is our measuring rod, and that's what keeps us. That's what keeps us. It's the deal. If you understand and believe what the Bible says about Jesus, and if you are trusting in those truths as the basis for salvation, then guess what? You're saved. And your life got to show it. You believe in Jesus in the biblical sense, but here's the deal. If you're uncertain if you truly believe in Jesus, but you desire to, but you still want to live your own way, doing your thing, as a friend says, to the go-go swing, then the reality is you may want to check your pulse because you might be spiritually dead. We must believe. We must Trust in Jesus. We must rely on him for salvation. We must allow God to turn us from sin to forgiveness and salvation. Let me tell you this. Unbelief will cause you to miss God. And let me tell you, family, it ain't got to be you today. You can believe. All you got to do is forget about yourself and concentrate on him. The reality is he been sitting right there trying to get your attention a long time ago. You're just too busy distracted about what you're going to eat when you get home. The food ain't going nowhere. Well, I got an appointment with so-and-so. I wish pastor would hurry up. No, focus in this moment because I'm going to tell you something. It ain't even no guarantee that you're going to make it to that appointment. But we got to believe in Jesus. Our counseling session is almost over. I'm about done venting. About done processing this with y'all, but, but I got to ask you a question. Family, what would you do if you woke up in one morning and realized, bro, Chris, that you miss God? Would you go after him? Would you risk your own comfort to chase after the one who gave you life? Missing God will cause you to miss peace. Missing God will cause you to miss joy. And the problem with it is that we've become comfortable missing God by pursuing happiness. We've been duped by Will Smith and his son Jaden to think that pursuing happiness is what we should do. Right, that movie became a big sale. Right? Your boy Pharrell went, went triple platinum off of one song, got everybody dancing, talking about they happy. So much so, even during offering, churches are playing happy during offering. But when you've really experienced the salvific work of Jesus, you're not pursuing happiness, you're pursuing joy. <laughs> happiness is temporary, but joy is eternal. And if we don't believe in the Jesus of the scriptures, we miss God. We miss God. Listen, God will, will cause us to lose our joy. But here's the deal. In our text today, in Jesus' conversation with the know-it-alls, we see that we miss God when we're self-righteous. We miss God when we practice worldliness. We miss God when we don't believe in him. But here it is. Last point, here it is. Rekinda, we miss God when we lack understanding. 
Let me tell you something. Sister Cassandra, people, people are hard on things that they don't understand. That's why Hebrew Israelites are so tough with it, because they don't understand. Right? That's why people who are involved in all these false sects of teaching, right, that they don't understand it, right? These are a bunch of emotional people who are being led by their emotions instead of being led by the truth, right? They, they lack understanding, and because they lack understanding, it'll cause them to miss God. Here's what he says in verses 25 through 30, right? After he done told them all of that, he said, look, I like it. Like, I'm going. Like, you can't go. You're going to die in your sin, right? Who, you going to kill yourself? Like, all these questions. Then they going to have the nerve, Brother Willie, to say, hey, who are you? They say, who are you? <laughs> But Jesus, with his swagalicious self, looks at them, Chris, and he says, I'm exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning. Right? If it was us, we'd have been like, we'd have been like, bruh, I've been talking to you for eight chapters and you still asking the same questions. He said, exactly what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge you about. But the one who sent me is true. And what I've heard from him, these things I tell the world. They don't know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. Here's, here's the shouting material, Rekenda, in verse 30. Verse 30 made my feet happy. Here's what he says, Rekenda, in verse 30. He says, as he was saying these things, the trajectory changed. How many believed in him. Because of their lack of understanding, they were missing God. But mama, Jesus didn't quit. He stayed after it and some believed. Hallelujah. Right? They look, look. When they, 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 they like understanding. It wasn't just a regular, like, I just don't understand. Say it again. Right? Not, like, like, not, not that. Right? They're lacking understanding. Sister Cassandra was deliberate. It was deliberate. Right? It was willful. It was voluntary lack of understanding. See, because since chapter one, there's been a clear picture being painted for them as to who Jesus was. But they blew right past it every time. They asked him, who are you? Jesus said, man, I'm the same dude I've been telling you since chapter one. Ain't nothing changed about me. Just like ain't nothing changed about me, ain't nothing changed about you. And I'm going to keep on telling you who I am. You tried, to, you tried to crucify the woman at the well. I showed you who I was by saving her. You tried to act crazy with the woman who committed adultery. I delivered her from the trap and freed myself from yours. I even showed up at a wedding that you was at, changed water into wine, and you still don't know who I am. But here it is. Here it is. We are sitting here lack of understanding, not because it's not available, but because we don't want to know. We don't want to know. Let me tell you this. This is a bold statement. 
but I'm going to say it. Shelton's going to start my car. Here it is. If you're sitting here today and you're not growing in the gospel and your testimony this year is the same as it was last year, there's nothing wrong with the system, but it's something wrong with you. That's the truth, right? They lacked understanding, not because the truth wasn't given to them, but because they didn't want to understand it. They were too busy trying to argue. They were too busy not making Jesus at the center. They were too busy, right, trying to prove themselves right. They were too busy setting other appointments and not showing up for Bible study. It was going to get real tight. They, 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 they weren't trying to understand it because they didn't show up for service. And if they did, they wasn't on time. So by the time they, by the time, right, they walk in in just enough time for Jesus to say who he was to get the right information. But then they say, well, certainly that ain't right. Like, it's crazy, right? Because you want the end of the story, but you don't want the beginning. But you, you, because, but the beginning of the story is telling you who you really were. But you just walk in when you find out you can be healed and delivered. But you are nerd when you realize that you are suffering, you are suffering from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. What good does it do you, right, if you got blood gushing out of your heart and you just say, oh, you, you bring out the Christian F word, I'm fine, and you take an ace bandage and wrap it around a gunshot wound, you still going to bleed out. But here it is, an opportunity for you to grow, for that hole in your heart to be sewed up. As a matter of fact, the, the, the God that we serve won't even sew it up. He's going to take out your old heart, give you a new one, then sew it back up, but you didn't even show up on time for surgery. Lack of understanding. It was voluntary. It was willful. It was deliberate. Right? Jesus told them who he was. He had been telling them since chapter one. But they didn't want to grab it. They lacked understanding not because it wasn't given to them, but because what he was telling them wasn't good enough. What he was telling them wasn't good enough because it didn't include them. Deliberate lack of understanding can cause you to miss God. Here's the deal. You don't have to know everything, but you can come to know someone. Since chapter one, he had been saying to them who he was. He said, listen, I'm the word made flesh. He said to them, I am the Lamb of God. He said to them, I am joy. I am the life giver. I'm the healer. I am a deliverer. I'm protector. I'm provider. He even told them right before he told them you can come. See, I believe, right, he was getting frustrated because he had just told them, I am the light. Then they say, who is he? He's like, man, y'all just, I'm not tired of talking to y'all. The football game about to come on. He said to them, I'm the light that shines over darkness. But the reason why they were willfully, they willfully lacked understanding was, was really because they felt like they flourished in darkness, which really would make them snakes. Listen to this. I'm done, I'm done, I promise. Salvation. It's a matter of life or death. And people who live 
in their sin and reject the Savior, you will die in your sin. There is no alternative. There is no purgatory. There is no go-between, right? People who live, practice in their sin and reject Jesus as the Messiah must, will die in their sin. You either receive salvation by grace or or experience condemnation under God's law. We either walk in the light and have eternal life or we walk in darkness and experience eternal death. What would you do if you realized that you missed God? Here's the reality, though. By the time you realize that you missed God, it'll already be too late. By the time you realized that you missed God, It'll already be too late. Missing God. So missing God won't cause you to die in your sin. Missing God says you've already died in your sin. But there's some practical, there's a practical application to this. Because now we know the cause of missing God. Well, how can I make sure I don't? Here it is. Three things real quick. It's going to be real quick. Three things. Here it is. Number one. Know that life is not about you. Jesus did not save you for you to be rich. We're walking around, because being broke made me rich. No, no. He didn't save you for you to be rich. He didn't call you into a relationship with him for you to be comfortable. He don't care about your comfort. You have to know that life is not about you. Life is about Jesus and him being glorified. Well, Pastor Mike, I got to know what my purpose is. Well, good. Read 1 Corinthians 10.31. If you don't know what 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, be sure to see Willie after church. He can tell you. Whatever you eat or drink, do so to give glory to God. Knowing that life is not about you says that you're going to stop making excuses about your failures. Embrace them and grow past them. Number two, practical application number two. Here it is. You won't miss God if you just open your eyes. It's funny. We, we, we physically can't see. We physically can't see. We go to the eye doctor to get glasses. We spiritually can't see. We make excuses. Interesting thing to me, mama, is every time I go to a funeral, Folks walk in with sunglasses on. Ain't no sun in here. What you trying to cover up? But down here it is. It's interesting to me because that's how people walk around life every day with these spiritual sunglasses on. Tents are so dark that they can't see their hand in front of their face. They don't want to open their eyes because it will show them who they really are. But different people have convinced them to think that they can live their best life now. If you live in your best life now, let me tell you, hell is your destination. There's nothing best about this life because there is another life that's far greater than the one we have now. Practical application. Open your eyes. Don't walk around blindfolded. Here it is. Number three. 
Trust that the one who cre- trust in the one who created you and not yourself. Your faith, your belief ought to be in him, not your ability to do anything. It's interesting. It's that we've become a people who make our own plans and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father, you said to write the vision and make it plain. So today, I declare and decree in the name of Jesus that 2019 is going to be my year. At the end of 2019, I'm going to be debt free. At the end of 2019, I'm going to come into this money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that and the other. But it'd be crazy. Like, if Jesus walked in, excuse me, you prayed the same thing in 2016, but nothing changed, right? We have to not place our trust in strategies and procedures, but trust the one who created us. That like, that like, come on, come on, family. Like we can't keep on putting our trust in fallible things and then get mad when the bottom fall out. But we got to trust in him. Listen to this. By the time... You open your eyes and realize that you miss God, it's already too late. The only second promise to you as the worship team comes, come on, worship team, come on. The only second promise to you is the one that just passed. And if you can hear my voice right now, you still have an opportunity not to miss God. Take advantage, don't miss your moment. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you at, right? But you've been living life this whole time thinking that God was sitting on your lap Indian style, but the reality is you're far away from him. Well, let me tell you this. Why don't you come to him today? Don't make excuses about why things should be the way it is. Don't keep making excuses as to, as to how, well, well, I'm going to change it, God. New year, new me. I'm going to be clean in 2019. But do you know 2019 ain't promised to you? Well, please, it's three weeks away. It's still not a promise. Today, this is whether we make it Caleb to 2019 or not, 2018 can be the best 2018 for you by giving your heart to the one who controls 2018. God created us that we may thrive in relationship with him not to suffer by missing him. And as you guys stand to your feet this evening, as our worship team sings, come on, Jordan. As our worship team sings, believer, you can worship today because you haven't missed God. But if you feel like in your life that you may have missed God, Meet me over to the side. I would love to have a conversation with you. 
But if you know and are willing to admit that you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to know what it looks like to have a relationship with him, then I would love to talk to you about that. But to know that you have God in your life ought to fuel your worship.